Welcome to the Climate Report. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 276. Today's topic is fracking, also known as hydraulic fracturing. We're going to be looking at a report from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York. This is a collection of doctors, healthcare professionals, nurses that have put together an excellent report. You can find the report as a PDF if you type Concerned Health Professionals of New York into your search engine. We're going to look at the report from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York, but first I want to read you a portion of This Land by Christopher Ketchum. Now, This Land is one of the easily one of the five best environmental books I've ever read, and I highly recommend it. Christopher Ketchum is an investigative reporter that writes for Harper's and other high-profile publications. And the subtitle of the book is How Cowboys, Capitalism, and Corruption Are Ruining the American West. So let's go to the Upper Green River Valley in Wyoming and get a taste for how fracking and gas extraction is helping to ruin the air, the water, the environment, and people's bodies in that locality. The Upper Green River Valley in Wyoming once had clean air, some of the cleanest air in the country. The energy industry brought its armadas of diesel trucks, drilled with abandon, built its arrays of derricks and wells, laid the pipelines, and dumped the fracked wastewater in toxic evaporation pits where once there had been sagebrush. The vented gas at the wellheads flared in the night. The trucks surged along the miles of newly built roads. The air, filled with volatile organic compounds, that's VOCs, the air, filled with volatile organic compounds, the contaminants associated with fracking, benzene, ethylbenzene, toluene, methane, ethane, and propane, nitrogen oxides from diesel engines, ozone that the Wyoming sun cooked out of the brew of the VOCs and the NOx to form veils of smog. By the end of the first decade of the 21st century, air pollution in the upper Green River Valley rivaled the worst days in Los Angeles. The entire basin out of compliance with EPA clean air standards. So Christopher Ketchum is here interviewing a nurse practitioner by the name of Hagenstein. She is a nurse practitioner who is native to the Green River Valley and she started seeing newborns in respiratory distress. She estimated that as many as one in three children in Sublette County now required asthma inhalers when they go out to exercise, if they go out at all. Sometimes for days at a time they were confined indoors during ozone alerts. The children cough, get nosebleeds, have chest pains. There were rising rates of emphysema, emphysema and chronic bronchitis among adults in the small towns that abut the gas fields. 
There were bladder cancers showing up in young men working in the fields, and Hagenstein believed this was due to exposure to the toxic fumes the men breathed day in and out at the wells. The available evidence suggests she was on to something. The Colorado School of Public Health, documented in fracking fields across the county, the country, dangerous airborne levels of benzene, a known carcinogen, and elevated risks of cancer for residents within a half mile of well sites. Prolonged exposure to benzene is known to cause leukemia, lymphoma, reproductive disorders in adults, and developmental disorders in children. Welcome to the world that the oil and gas industry wants to bring to all of us. Now this story goes on to say how this industry has brought a measure of prosperity to this county. There are financial benefits and tax benefits to having all of this oil and gas extraction. But there are health costs to people. Now usually the oil and gas industry promises economic development, but they don't deliver on it. But even when they do deliver on the economic development, is it worth it? What we need to do is show our friends and neighbors, is to bring our friends and neighbors in Kentucky and West Virginia, in Pennsylvania and Ohio, in Indiana and the entire Ohio River Valley, we need to bring a new form of economic development to our counties, cities, states, and our region and our river valley. We need a different way of making money. We need a different way of making a living. But that's an entire other conversation. For now, we're going to focus on the, the uh, health costs of fracking, the health costs and environmental costs of fracking. Now we're going to read through some of the notes from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York and when we do, we're going to talk about how fracking works from a mechanical standpoint. Number one, how fracking works mechanically. Number two, how fracking extracts oil and gas from places underground that were previously inaccessible until we brought along, until somebody devised this brand new technology called fracking. It was brand new as of the 90s, so it's about 25 years old, and fracking has caused an oil and gas boom in the United States of America. President Obama bragged that America is now the number one producer of oil and gas. He was boasting about this in his 2012 State of the Union address. Item number three, we will be looking at how fracking pollutes the air, the water, and our bodies. Item number four, we will be looking at how 6% of the American population currently lives within one mile, one mile of a fracking site, a highly hazardous, uh, you know, radius in which to live from a fracking site. 
Item number five, we're going to talk about how fracking takes a huge amount of resources, especially water, but also sand, notably silica sand. Item number six, we'll be talking about how fracking pollutes a huge amount of water. So it takes a huge amount of water and it pollutes a huge amount of water and it permanently loses a huge amount of water. So we'll talk about, we'll get into the details. Item number seven, we'll talk about how fracking produces methane, which is a potent greenhouse gas. Item number eight, we'll talk about how fracking leaves behind much radioactive material, which is exempt from regulations related to uh, radioactive waste. Item number 10, we'll talk about how this waste is usually dumped in municipal waste sites, municipal, the city dump, in a manner that is completely unregulated because your friend and mine, Dick Cheney, made it happen. It's called the Cheney exemption, exemption, the Cheney exception to the handling and disposal of radioactive waste. If you're just joining me, this is Hart Hagen with the Climate Report, and we are talking about fracking. Fracking is a hugely problematic and polluting practice uh, that is about 25 years old. It is used to extract oil and gas from places where oil and gas was previously inaccessible. So let's talk about how it works so that when somebody uses the term fracking or hydraulic fracturing, we can have a rich and deep understanding of this practice and we will know why we should just say no to fracking. So now, reading from the introduction to fracking by the Concerned Health Professionals of New York. Since the end of the 20th century, horizontal drilling has been combined with high volume hydraulic fracturing to create a novel approach to extracting dispersed oil and natural gas primarily from shale bedrock that would otherwise not flow to the surface. In other words, old-fashioned drilling wasn't getting all the oil and gas out of the ground. Hydraulic fracturing is a new technology which helps us to extract oil and gas from the ground when it was previously inaccessible. Continuing to read. Typically, these unconventional extraction methods, collectively known as fracking, take place on clustered multi-well pads where individual well bores extend vertically down into the shale formation and then turn horizontally, tunneling through the shale in various directions. So when they're drilling for shale for gas and oil in a fracking method, they go down and then they go horizontally. And when they go horizontally, they're going in the direction of the layer of shale. These lateral tunnels can extend as far as two miles underground. Also, these uh, lateral tunnels can be under your home and you don't have a right to say anything about it. To liberate the gas, 
methane, or oil trapped inside the shale, many small explosive charges followed by high volumes of pressurized fluid are sent into the shale layer to expand and extend its many naturally occurring cracks, bedding planes, and faults. So they drill way underground, much of it horizontally, and then they set off a lot of small explosive charges, and then they pump lots and lots and lots of fracking fluid underneath, into all of that, thus freeing up the oil and gas, and then sucking it back out. Of course, they don't get all of it, so some of it stays back down there. Plus, when they suck all that stuff out, they're sucking out you know, lots and lots and lots and lots of water that is then laced with these toxic chemicals. And we don't even know what's in the toxic chemicals because it's proprietary. What American corporations do in the name of proprietary information and company secrets and trade secrets is nothing short of criminal. And when you have secrecy and when you have protected proprietary information, then that is the opposite of science. Because science is transparent. Science is when you share information. Science is when scientists get to review the information and critique it. But corporate science is just the opposite of that. It happens in secret, therefore corporate science is not science. It's the opposite of science. Continuing to read, silica sand grains, or sometimes ceramic beads, are carried by the pressurized fluid into these spaces and remain there after the pressure is released, acting to prop open these now widened fissures in the shale, allowing the methane or oil trapped within to flow up the well. So you've got silica sand grains or ceramic beads that are in this proprietary fluid and they keep the rock open just wide enough for the shale, I mean for the fracking fluid and the oil and gas to flow back up to the wellhead. Continuing to read. Fracking fluid consists of millions of gallons of fresh water to which is added a sequence of chemicals that include biocides, that biocide is something that kills life, biocides, lubricants, gelling agents, anti-scaling and anti-corrosion agents. So what I notice here is that In order to do this process called fracking, you have to use millions of gallons of fresh water. So they're taking our fresh water, millions of gallons of it per well, and they're pumping it underground. 
They're making all of it toxic. This is water that will never be usable ever again. It says here that some of the water used to frack wells remains trapped within the fractured zone and as such is permanently removed from the hydrologic cycle. So the hydrologic cycle refers to the rain, you know, the, the, the rain cycle. And um, so you have naturally when it rains, water goes into the ground. It's called groundwater. And that groundwater makes its way into streams and rivers. And sometimes it takes a few days, weeks, months. Sometimes it takes decades or even hundreds of years to get, you know, to flow into the streams and rivers, but it's, it's in a hydrologic cycle. But fracking removes this water, much of it, from the hydrologic cycle. But the remainder of the water travels back to the surface. This flowback fluid contains not only the original chemical additives, many of which are toxic, but also harmful substances carried up from the shale zone, which often include brine, heavy metals, and radioactive elements. Once in production, a fracked well continues to generate liquid throughout its lifetime. This produced water, in other words, this water emerging from the fracked well, this produced water which contains many of the same toxic substances as flowback fluid, is a second component of fracking waste, and it also requires containment and disposal. So one thing fracking does is that it generates huge amounts of toxic waste that then must be contained and or disposed of so whenever you have fracking, and, and fracking is, is everywhere, 6% of the American population lives within one mile of a fracking site. So fracking is everywhere, and it uses a huge amount of our water, and it generates a huge amount of toxic wastewater. And they're hoping to be able to contain this for a period of time. Presumably, they're hoping to be able to contain it forever because it's, it's completely unusable thereafter. They're taking our water, they're rendering it completely toxic and unusable forever. It says here that in addition, fracking waste includes solid drilling cuttings, which are typically laced with various chemical substances used to aid the drilling process. These cuttings, which can also contain radioactive elements, are typically disposed in municipal waste landfills. In other words, our landfills contain this radioactive crap. So this is a huge example I'm going to digress for just a minute. This is a, a huge example of what's called externalities. So in economics, an externality is a cost that a company does not bear. So they get to 
produce their product and sell their product and the company and its customer do not bear the cost of producing or consuming this product so the public has to bear that cost. One of the costs is the fact that they are taking our water and lots of it and rendering it completely toxic and unusable and then trying to dispose of it and contain it in our midst. And another externality, in other words, another instance where corporations are shifting their costs onto us is where radioactive waste, completely unregulated radioactive waste, is going into our municipal landfills. And thereafter, people get exposed to it and or it gets into the water. So people are going to be exposed to it either through the air, through the water, or through our foods. It says here that fracking waste is exempt from federal hazardous waste regulations that would otherwise prohibit this practice. Now, next couple of paragraphs, one of them is talking about downstream elements and the other is talking about upstream elements. Downstream and upstream, they're not talking about water necessarily. They're talking about downstream in the production process or upstream from the production process. So downstream elements of fracking infrastructure, which lie between the wellhead and the point of combustion. In other words, the wellhead is the place from which they extract the oil and gas, and the point of combustion is the place where they burn the oil and gas. Of course, all of this this whole industry and this whole process is economically valuable because they burn it. If, if they weren't burning it, it wouldn't be economically valuable. So they have to start by extracting it from the ground and then they get to where they can burn it. So downstream elements of fracking infrastructure which lie between the wellhead and the point of combustion, including processing plants, transport infrastructure, such as pipelines and compressor stations, distribution lines, storage facilities, gas-fired power plants, and LNG, liquid natural gas, liquefaction plants, and export terminals. In other words, we've just named all of the infrastructure that is downstream from the wellhead. And upstream elements, in other words, you know, what does it take to, what do you have to get to the wellhead so that the wellhead can do its work? Upstream elements include silica, silica sand, my, silica sand mining operations, and water withdrawal operations. So mainly, what they need at the wellhead is silica sand and water. They need the water because they're going to pump a lot of water into the ground because fracking is short for what? Hydraulic fracturing. So hydraulic refers to water. They need a lot of water to pump underground so that then uh, the, it, the, and they need the silica sand 
so that the gaps, so that when they do these explosions and they pump water into it, it's not quite totally closed back off. It's like if you pour water onto the ground and the ground is sand, then the water is going to flow through the sand. If you pour water on the ground and the water and the ground is clay, then the water is going to stand there. So they need a sandy substance to pump into the well so that then the oil and gas and water can flow back out. It's gross, it's disgusting, it's toxic, but that's how it works. Continuing to read, as fracking operations in the United States have increased in frequency, size, and intensity, and as the transport of extracted materials has expanded, a significant body of evidence has emerged to demonstrate that these activities are dangerous to people and their communities in ways that are difficult and may prove impossible to mitigate. The risks include adverse impacts on water, air, agriculture, public health and safety, property values, climate stability, and economic vitality, as well as earthquakes. So we've got just a few minutes left. Let me leave you with something to think about. So we're told in America that we have a free market system, a free enterprise system. But what they rarely, if ever, tell you is that if a free market system is completely unregulated, then significant costs are shifted onto the public, especially health costs. People suffer health-wise when we allow an unfettered, unregulated system to just extract, extract, extract. There's nothing about this that is renewable. There is nothing about this that is healthy. There is nothing about this that is sustainable. And fracking represents only the worst example of what our political and economic system is doing to us. I like saying on the Climate Report that we have to rethink everything. We've got a business environment, we've got a business world and a business community that is nothing like what it claims itself to be. We have a media that is nothing like what it claims itself to be. And we have government that is nothing like what it claims itself to be. Government is supposed to protect the people and protect the uh, weak from the strong and protect the poor from the rich. It does none of that. Business is supposed to be live and let live. You don't bother us, we won't bother you. You don't have to buy our product, just, but just leave us alone. Let us do our work so we can be the engines of growth but they're not leaving us alone. It's not a live and let live world. They're not leaving us alone. 
And thirdly, media is exactly the opposite of what it claims itself to be. They are not the watchdogs of power. They are the lapdogs of power. And sometimes they are the guard dogs of power. Their job is not to um, challenge power, but to legitimize power and justify power and to protect power. But that's an entirely other conversation. That's all the time we have. Thank you for joining me. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. That's info at theclimatereport.net. Have a great day. Welcome to the Climate Report. This is Hart Hagen, and we are on episode number 278. Today's topic is fracking. So why are we talking about fracking? Well, the purpose of the Climate Report is to solve the problem of climate change. And if we're going to solve the problem of climate change, we have to understand how power works. Part of that is who has power. We need to understand that in the United States of America and around the world, but especially in the United States of America, the people who have the power are the ones who have the money. We have a plutocracy. Now, plutocracy is is two things. It's a form of government or a way of wielding power, and it's also a group of people. So the word plutocracy can refer to a group of people, or it can refer to a form of government or a way that power is wielded. Just like a monarchy, you can think of a monarchy as a form of government, or the monarchy is the king or queen and his or her lieutenants. So we have a plutocracy in the United States of America. We also have a little bit of a democracy. But if you look at, you know, you know, we can vote and we can determine who our elected representatives are among a narrowly subscribed, among a narrowly circumscribed group of people. But, you know, Republicans and Democrats are very much like each other. And they're both pro-war. They're both for Wall Street. So there's some democracy going on in that scenario, but the plutocracy overwhelms the democracy. So why are we studying fracking? Partly to solve the problem of fracking, because fracking has an impact on climate, but partly because if you look at fracking, you begin to understand what the plutocracy is capable of. In the same way that if you look at war, you can start to understand what the plutocracy is capable of, depriving people of life, liberty, health, etc., just to make more money, because that's what it comes down to. More money and more power. War is about more money and more power. War is about concentrating money and power into the hands of a very few. And fracking is also about concentrating money and power into the hands of a very few. And it also, fracking is so incredibly disgusting, 
It so thoroughly pollutes our water, our air, our bodies, our soil, that if you really understand fracking, then you will say, why in the world are we letting this happen? And the answer is that we are not letting this happen. You and I are not letting this happen. We're just deprived of the power. We're deprived of the power that it would take to stop this practice. Now, we can change that, and that's why I'm here, to help us work on how we can change that. But for the time being, the people do not have the power. So how do you get power? Well, for one thing, we need to understand how power works. And that's the process of education. That's political education. So how do we get power? Three things. Number one, education. Number two, uh, organizing. And number three, mobilizing. So educate, organize, and mobilize. And you might see that like a pyramid. On the bottom, the, the the education part is the bottom of the pyramid. That's how we become aware of what's really going on. And then the organizing part is when we organize into affinity groups, into civic organizations, into political parties, into campaigns, into labor unions. We organize however we can, wherever we are. And then third, mobilize. So we can't skip any of those steps. So educate, organize, and mobilize. And that's how we get power, the power that we don't have right now. So what are we going to learn about fracking in this episode? So for one thing, we're reading from a report by the Concerned Health Professionals of New York. Uh, Email me at info at theclimatereport.net if you want me to uh, email you a, this, it's a PDF, you can find it online. Uh, but email me if I can help you find it. So from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York, we're going to learn a few things. Number one, how fracking works mechanically, how it uses water, how it uses special chemicals, how it uses things like silica sand and or ceramic beads in the process, and how it uses horizontal drilling. Number two, why they're using fracking. They're using fracking because it's a way of getting oil and gas out of shale formations because oil and gas is more and more scarce through traditional vertical drilling. Fracking employs horizontal drilling and uh, because the old-fashioned vertical drilling is not working so well anymore. Number three, we will learn about fracking from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York, we will learn how fracking pollutes our air, our water, our bodies, and the climate. Number four, we will learn about fracking from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York about health dangers to Americans. We need to know that fracking produces toxic chemicals, including carcinogens. That means things that cause cancer neurotoxins. That means things that mess with your nerves and your brain. Number three, radioactive materials. Radioactive matter, you know, oil and gas has radioactive components. Radon is a component 
of natural gas. Radon is a radioactive element. And although radon is a gas, radon uh, kind of degenerates into metals, such as uh, radium is a metal that radon degenerates into. And the disposal of these materials is completely unregulated. Quite often, the materials, the radioactive materials I'm describing, end up in our water. They end up being handled by workers, uh, including truck drivers who do not understand what they're handling. Sometimes this stuff gets mailed through the U.S. mail because it's on these machines that get mailed here and there for special cleaning by people who do such things. So that's some of the things we'll learn about fracking, how it works mechanically, why we're using fracking these days, how it pollutes our air, our water, our bodies, and the climate, and uh, you know specific substances that are dangerous to Americans. So let's get into it. We're reading from the introduction to fracking from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York, just like in the last episode. And we read about 18 paragraphs, and then, so we're going to start on number 19. Paragraph number 19 from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York. Uh, researching these complex, large-scale, industrialized activities and the ancillary infrastructure that supports them takes time and has been hindered by institutional secrecy. Nonetheless, research is gradually catching up to the last decade's surge in fracking from shale. In other words, this industry is moving real fast, and they're moving faster than scientists or the public can keep up, and partly because of secrecy. In Hart Hagen's perfect world, there's very little secrecy. There's privacy on the part of private individuals, but there's not any secrecy on the part of these large, large, powerful institutions. See, we've got it reversed in the United States. We have less and less and less privacy because they have all of our data from our phones, our laptops, etc. They might not record specific conversations, but they have our metadata. They know who we talk to and, wh- and when. They know have our, our GPS uh, positioning information. So these are huge invasions of privacy because the powers that be want to know what we're up to, and they want to be able to persecute people that they don't like. Meanwhile, major institutions like the Pentagon and the CIA and corporations, Monsanto, Google, Facebook, all, all the Wall Street corporations, all the, uh, you know, the restaurant corporations, and, and certainly oil and gas corporations, they get to operate in secrecy. They get to claim trade secrets. So that's what they're talking about here. Nonetheless, nonetheless, a growing body of peer-reviewed studies accident reports, and investigative articles has detailed specific, quantifiable evidence of harm and has revealed fundamental problems with the entire life cycle of operations associated with unconventional drilling, fracking, and fracked gas infrastructure. In other words, from the setup and construction of these things to the, uh, to the drilling itself, to the secret chemicals that they use in the drilling process, to the you know, mining and its extraction that they use for the materials that they need, to the pipelines, to 
to the you know, process of burning and the disposal of the waste. The entire life cycle of these operations has revealed you know, quantifiable evidence of harm, to put it mildly, to put it mildly. It says industry studies as well as independent analyses indicate inherent engineering problems, including uncontrolled and unpredictable fracturing. The fracturing is talking about the fracturing of the rocks and the underground formations. And, you know, like if you especially if you're in Kentucky or Ohio or Pennsylvania, then you're dealing with caves. A cave is a cavity. A cave is a place underground that might have air, it might have water. But the cave formations in Kentucky and similar places are by their nature. They are fragile and they are complex and they have been, uh, they have remained largely the same and unhindered and undisturbed for generations, if not centuries, if not millennia, then we're going in there and busting them up. We are tearing up the undergrounds underneath us, and we are injecting it with ungodly amounts of water laced with uh, toxic chemicals, poisonous chemicals, and that's fracking, a.k.a. hydraulic fracturing. Here it refers to induced seismicity. That means we're making earthquakes happen. Hey, how about an earthquake? You want an earthquake? An earthquake will make your day. That's what we're doing. We're causing earthquakes. Fracking causes earthquakes. And one consequence of this is that well casing and cement failures that cannot be prevented uh, with currently available materials and technologies. So these, we're building these things and then we're causing earthquakes and then the cement and the uh, structure, the, the, the structural supports and the pipes and containers are vulnerable to rupture. It says here, fracking related problems also originate from sources, of in, from sources independent of engineering. These include habit, habitat destruction, inadequate solutions for wastewater disposal, the presence of abandoned wells or vertical fault lines that can serve as pathways for fluid migration into aquifers, and standard operational industry norms, venting, flaring, blowdowns, that contribute to methane releases and air pollution. So, in other words, we're destroying habitat. We, we have wastewater that we don't know how to dispose of. We are causing the migration of toxic fluids into aquifers. Aquifers are underground formations that hold water. And some of that water in aquifers is supposed to flow to streams and rivers from which we use it for drinking water, for personal use, for uh, agriculture, etc., for our pets to drink, for livestock to drink. So it says earlier scientific predictions are now bolstered by extensive empirical data confirming that the public health risks from unconventional gas and oil extraction are real. 
the range of adverse environmental impacts is wide, and the negative economic consequences are considerable. You know, you would think that the powers that be would at least be concerned about the economic consequences of fracking. I mean, our health, who cares? Water, clean water, clean air, who cares? But economic consequences, we're talking about economic consequences from fracking, which is to say that we have an economy that is very uneconomical. How do you have an uneconomical economy and call it an economy? Economy is when you're supposed to economize. Economy is when you're supposed to be making optimal use of your resources. How do we call this an economy? How do we call this an economy if it is so incredibly wasteful? I want somebody to explain that to me. How is it an economy if it is so wasteful? Wasteful of our health, wasteful of our money, wasteful of our future. It is an uneconomical allocation of risks, including the risk to our health, including the risk to our climate. He says here from the Concerned Health Professionals of New York that our examination, our examination of peer-reviewed medical, public health, biological, earth sciences, and engineering literature uncovered no evidence that fracking can be practiced in a manner that does not threaten human health. In other words, we looked far and wide to find evidence that this can be done safely, and we couldn't find any evidence that fracking could be done safely. Therefore, there is no amount of regulation that will make fracking safe. Even in a perfect world, fracking cannot be safe. So why do we do fracking if it's not safe? Well, that gets back to the plutocracy. You and I are not in charge. You and I, if we were in charge, we would be reasonably concerned about our health, our children's health, our neighbor's health. You and I, if we were in charge, would express reasonable concern over the future of the climate. But the plutocracy is not like that. And part of the reason we're talking about fracking in depth, and part of the reason we're learning how appalling and disgusting fracking is, is so we can understand the true nature of the plutocracy. These people are not to be trusted. And by these people, I'm talking about, you know, the very rich. I'm talking about the 1%, more precisely, the fraction of 1%. They are not capable of ruling, and yet they are ruling. They are the ruling class that has shown that they are not capable of ruling. That's why we need to change their status. Like Bernie Sanders said, we need to stop letting the few tell the many what to do. We need to change things so that the many tell the few what to do. We need to stand up to the few and tell them what to do and tell them we are not going to stand for a world that is so incredibly out of control, dangerous.
it says here that uh, despite this expanding body of knowledge, industry secrecy, there's that word secrecy again, the plutocracy wants to do things in secret. And by plutocracy, I'm talking about the highest levels of government, such as the Pentagon and the CIA and the FBI. They want to operate in secret. And the corporations that make a lot of money off of us, they want to operate in secret as well. Secrecy should go away. Secrecy should be replaced with transparency. Now, President Obama talked a lot about transparency, but it was all talk. If you look at how many Freedom of Information Act requests were denied in the Obama administration, he was at least as bad as his predecessors in denying Freedom of Information Act requests. So he's talking about transparency, but what he's doing is protecting the secrecy of the government. It should not be that way. Individuals like you and me deserve privacy, but the government does not deserve secrecy. And big corporations do not deserve secrecy, but that's what they're doing. So it says, despite this expanding body of knowledge, industry secrecy continues to thwart scientific inquiry, leaving many potential problems, especially cumulative long-term risks, unidentified, unmonitored, and largely unexplored. In other words, fracking is exposing us to lots and lots of risks, but these risks are not being identified, they're not being monitored, and they're not being explored. We, the people, are not being given a fair opportunity to weigh in on the consequences of fracking. And the scientific community is not being given a fair opportunity to weigh in on the consequences of fracking. It says this problem is compounded by non-disclosure agreements, sealed court records, and legal settlements that prevent families and their doctors from discussing injuries and illnesses that result from fracking and frac-related operations. Consequently, no quantitative and comprehensive inventory of human hazards yet exists. So that's another thing. You know, one form of secrecy is non-disclosure agreements. So if, if I get injured and I sue somebody and that goes to trial, then that trial is public record. But if the, if, if the person I sued, uh, the company that I sue, uh, they, if they settle with me, they say, okay, we're going to settle this out of court. We're going to pay you $200,000, but here are the terms of that settlement agreement. And part of the terms of the settlement agreement is that you can't talk about this. So it can't be, so whatever happened related to my injuries, it can't be disclosed to the public and it can't be uh, disclosed to the scientific community. So the scientific community is severely hampered in its ability to gather data related to fracking and the, especially the health risks and injuries associated with fracking. It should not be that 
way, and yet it is, and the reason it is, and the word is, say it with me, plutocracy. It's the very, it, it's the people with the money who get to call the shots. Plutocracy is the golden rule. Whoever has the gold makes the rules. So the plutocracy gets to decide that there will not be, that, that there will be non-disclosure agreements when uh, these things are settled out of court. There's no reason for a big corporation to be able to say, uh, to be able to put non-disclosure agreements into these contracts. That's what a settlement agreement is. It's a contract. The courts could say that as a matter of public policy, we are not going to, we're not going to allow non-disclosure agreements. You can put it in that contract if you want, but we're not going to let you enforce that non-disclosure agreement. It could be that way, but it's not because we're under the golden rule. Whoever has the gold makes the rules, and the people who have the gold don't want, they, they do want to be able to use non-disclosure agreements, and they want those non-disclosure agreements to be enforceable. It should not be that way, and yet it is. It says, now I'm continuing to read from the uh, Concerned Health Professionals of New York, their, their uh, report about fracking. And it says here, the long entrenched problem of secrecy shows no sign of resolving. The identity of chemicals used in fracking fluids remains proprietary and lies beyond the reach of federal right to know legislation that governs other industries. So what chemicals are in fracking fluids. So fracking fluids is talking about, you know, they billions of gallons of water every day uh, nationwide. Billions of gallons of water is pumped into these wells. And with that water, there's certain chemical fluids. Those fluids include biocides, in other words, things that kill bugs and germs and moss and who knows what's in them. This is all secret. They include lubricants. Who's no, who knows what the lubricants are made of? It's all secret. Includes gelling agents. Who knows what these gelling agents are made of? It's all secret. Anti-scaling agents who know, and anti-corrosion agents. Who knows what they're made of? It's all secret. So the plutocracy protects its own secrets, but they want to invade our privacy to their heart's content. So it says the identity of chemicals used in fracking fluids remains proprietary and lies beyond the reach of federal right-to-know legislation that governs other industries. In other words, the rules that apply to other industries don't apply to the oil and gas industry they're, because they're so powerful. And some people might say, oh, heart, you're just whining, or you want a perfect world. Okay, if, if, whine, if, if wanting justice means whining, then God help us. And if wanting a perfect world means not having to breathe toxic air because people are, you know, drilling for oil and gas and making lots and lots of money drilling for oil and gas, then if this is the only way we can find to make a living, then God help us. If this is the only way we can find to make money or have economic development, then heaven help us. And this is not moralizing. It's saying, WTF, can we have some sanity? 
Your right to swing your fist stops at the end of my nose, and these toxic chemicals are doing far more than giving people bloody noses. They are doing that, but they're doing far more than that. Got another couple of minutes. Let me leave you with something to think about. We've been told since we were knee-high to a grasshopper that we in the United States have this big democracy. And we've been told that our government goes all over the world spreading democracy. And we've been told that we have this great economy. But most of what we have been told is simply not true. Most of what we have told have been told is the opposite of the truth. We've been told that Republicans are conservative and that the opposite is true. They're advocating for a world that is changing radically in a way that we don't control. And we've been told that Democrats are liberal as if these liberal Democrats are sticking up for the little guy, as if they are for freedom, as if they are for human rights. None of that is true. There are good people who are Democrats, but as an institution, the Republican Party and the Democratic Party are entirely and completely corrupt. That's why they have fracking. They are in bipartisan agreement that we're going to have fracking. That's why fracking is banned almost nowhere in the United States. If you have questions, comments, or observations about any of, any of this, please email info at theclimatereport.net. That's all for now. Thank you for joining me. Have a great day.